Hello and welcome to Under the Skin from Luminary. This week I spoke with Janavi Harrison. Janavi Harrison is a British museum. She's not a museum. <laughs> <laughs> She's just one of the many British museums. Jen, don't laugh. It's very, it's very easy for someone to make a mistake, to, to slip over, to stub a toe. Is that what you're going to do? It's such a big thing. What the? <laughs> the British Museum? Yes, it is a big thing. It's got a lot of treasures in there. A lot of cherished treasures, whether it's the Elgin marbles, what we deserve to keep, or stuff from Egypt that's definitely ours. The Rosetta Stone's in there, Jen. She's not a British museum. I mean, I think it's I think it's because I saw the word British confused me. She's a British musician. <laughs> She's a, like, why does what do you mean a British musician? <laughs> Known for her mantra meditation music, Kirtan. She's actually a friend of mine and she's a very brilliant and gifted human being with an incredible voice. That's not to say that the British Museum isn't also a fantastic place for a visit. But Janavi is definitely more musical. She was raised in the family of Bhakti yoga practitioners at Bhakti Devantama. I'll tell you what, I've just done the interview. She did some singing. And I feel quite spaced out now. Plus, I also took some migraine medication earlier. I thought I was getting a migraine. I don't think I was. But I, preempt I took it. In the and now I'm high as a kite on mantras and migraine meds. <sighs> she grew up at Bhakti Devanta Manor, one of England's most important spiritual landmarks. For over 12 years, she's travelled the world, offering her voice and violin playing. I think that, oh God, yeah, as well. In the performance of sacred music. She's an extremely gifted person. Uh, Janavi f founded Kirtan London, a project that aims to make mantra music accessible and relevant to a wider audience through events and retreats. Say something from the episode and why you're excited to share it. I don't need to say that yet there, do I, Jen? Jen, how do you... Well, I can tell why you don't sleep at night, Jen. <laughs> because it's guilt. Not only from the marriages that you've destroyed... But also from the scripts you've not written. <laughs> no. That's why you're up. Do you want that removed? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want that removed? <laughs> no, Jen. I want that out there to the to luminary subscribers. I want them to know, Jen, what they're dealing with behind the mic, behind the lens, the Jenny Mayfin story. Before we get into Janavi, why don't we uh, have some comments that you have offered us for the Judd Apatow episode, which was probably the last one or the one before last in my world, because Eckhart Tolle was the last. Now, because we've banked an episode, everything's confusing. This one's from Gnosis of Self. She says, love the interview with Judd Apatow. We all channel the source in different ways, and being aware of it really is an experience that changes our worldview completely. Janavi talks about uh, the conversation with Elizabeth Gilbert, but also the conversation with Judd talked about this very thing, this creative essence, consciousness itself, this elemental force impossible to diagnose where it comes from with the archaeology of the mind, the deep biology of the body. Where is consciousness coming from? How does it happen? It's elemental. It's the, the great mystery stitched into all of us. Lisa Porter says, that was me, the last bit that wasn't uh, from Twitter. Lisa Porter, great interview. Jad Apatow is both funny and grounded. Nice. 
Plus, his cats will surely star in his next film. His book, Sick in the Head, is terrific. I've actually, since interviewing Judd, watched that film, King of Staten Island, and uh, I love it. I love um, the central performance from Pete Davidson. I love Bill Burr. I love Marissa Tomei. I love Maud Apatow. It's full of great performances. Some of his mates are good. It's a really enjoyable Judd Apatow movie. Fantastic. I also saw that David Copperfield, that uh, Armando Iannucci film, that shit dope have you seen it no yeah you've got to get that down yeah get it down you jen that shit is dope that shit is dope that's some dope shit right there kieran tudor here love that thought that comedy is a glimpse behind the curtain comedians are jesters and poke fun at how we live in our reality thank you kieran you've actually made my day not difficult to do when i spend all my time working with an abhorrent psychopath let's enjoy now a lovely interview with janavi harrison gifted musician conveyor of spiritual wisdom and also not and i repeat not for those of you that may still be confused the british museum Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not a successful route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand Under the Skin. Janavi, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation that we're about to have on Under the Skin. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm a big fan of uh, your music. Oh, my microphone, excuse me. I forgot. Look at that. I don't, I don't think I've ever done that before. Uh, in case you didn't hear my first statement, if you're listening to this podcast, what it was is I'm a big fan of your stroke Janavi's music. Um, so what are you, what are you doing at the moment? What are you doing with your work? What are you doing in the world? We'll leap into your unusual background and your crazy belief system <laughs> in a while, but we'll, let's just, I'd love to catch up with what you're doing at the moment. Yeah. Um, well, the lockdown has been interesting. I think for many artists, I mean, I, I, I always feel a bit grandiose calling myself an artist, but, you know, people who, who write, who make music, who create, there's sort of a benefit in this time and just a bit uh, less distraction, perhaps. Um, so I've been taking more time to write, to to make some music. I was in the recording studio yesterday working on some new new pieces. And um, yeah, other than that, it's been a, a time to connect with family and um, also in a strange way, community, even though everyone's distanced from each other. But I feel like there's more of an effort of, you know, friends, family, wider community to, you know, come together in other ways, um, either because we have to for things like, uh, you know, prayer meetings, loved ones are, you know, passing away. Those things have been quite sobering to, to go through um, or just connections of friendship, taking the time to nurture those. So have you been you've been having prayer meetings you've been keeping your spirituality alive eh? because some people yeah. won't know that the type of music you do curtain or mantra music it's like um well how would you describe it 
Yeah, it's, um, yeah, you, you described it right. It's called kirtan. Um, kirtan is a Sanskrit word that means praise. So it's essentially music that uses mantras or sacred sound formulas, um, which are repeated. It's a type of musical meditation. So um, often we do come together and do it in community, but obviously at this time, that hasn't been possible beyond my immediate family unit. But early on in the, the lockdown, we actually had many friends and sort of broader community members who who became ill and unfortunately few passed away. So there were these incredible Zoom meetings where there'll be hundreds of people on the call and uh, we would be all chanting together, basically. You know, you couldn't we couldn't hear the collective voices, but there was very palpable unity in that experience, which I, I think I'll never forget. That's very beautiful. I like I've had to continue many of my own spiritual practices online. Like, for example, mm. I belong to sort of 12 step groups. What I will say is like those uh, groups often close with a serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change things I can, wisdom to know the difference. Usually you say that holding hands or arms around each other in unison. Uh, in Zoom, there is a time lag issue. So it's quite like sometimes there's a real cacophony if it's not on a mute all mode. But you for for Kurtan, you do mute all, and then just the person with the best voice, which I'm assuming is you, does the, the singing. Is that is that how you handle that? that? That's kind of the way. Although sometimes you you know you get people forgetting to mute themselves, so there is there is a real uh, chaos of voices, and we've discovered that it's not that easy to have um, voices and instruments going at the same time because zoom has what well, we've had to discover all the settings to optimize it because some will be playing a drum in the background and then it messes the whole thing up so yeah you find your way to to adapt there is something to be said for shared space there is something that's mm -hmm. happening when people are together how does the music that you make how how how, how is it distinct from uh, commercial music, ordinary commercial music. What difference does the intention to praise make? And is that distinction, is it different from, say, gospel music or is it different from pop music or hip-hop or something? What about that intention makes the music, distinguishes the music? Mm. I think what makes it different is, as you, you pointed out, using the word intention, it's the intention behind it. So, um, I'd say gospel music is kirtan. The, the intention behind it is to connect with higher power, to glorify divinity, um, to offer thanks, to offer gratitude, to make, to make that connection within. So I guess that, you know, the way that it would differ from commercial music is that if, if the, the intention or the essence of, of a song is not that, then they, they are, they are different, um, distinctly different. Uh, so I think the at the core of at the core of kirtan is that um, is that prayer and and a, really a a desire to have a, a sort of deeper experience with music and sound than just sort of listening or being entertained. It's more of a you think of yourself as 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 serving actually through vibrating that sound 
whether you're the person that's you know the leader or someone who is responding that's How... a, that's a key part of it call and response yeah i like that side of it um sometimes i will say my personal experience of kirtan say if you're doing like a, a long mantra sometimes mm -hmm. i think oh i can't remember the <laughs> melody of that now yeah and I'm suddenly again back at school miming to jerusalem or, or <laughs> creatures great and small or whatever or you know sometimes yeah. doing my own version less successfully how do you find um what challenges do you face bringing the um music with the explicit intention of uh that you've just described into a commercial marketplace that is dominated by you know competing forces some of which directly oppose i would say the, the spirit that you're trying to convey yeah i mean bringing this sort of music into a more um as you put it commercial space is something that is very new to me as well because i think although um i've been inspired by you know the, the idea of sharing it more broadly that sort of sharing has expanded little by little over the years and um i think you might have heard this this song that i did recently with willow smith which is which is sort of a a random uh seemingly random collaboration in the sense that i don't i don't think i or anyone would have put the two of us together and um it's sort of uh you know it, it's it's still a kirtan song but it's it's reaching a much broader audience so um i think the challenge is there's so many our 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 world is so secular these days and sort of anti anti god anti um anti so many things and and you know there are natural barriers and boundaries people have sometimes traumatic experiences with religion or spirituality and so to um i think the challenge is to share something without without um you know kind of challenging somebody in a way that they're going to be you know they're not going to feel that, that, that they're able to access it it's making it accessible and relevant um because uh i think many people would think you know why 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 do i need something you know, why do i need to listen to something spiritual why do i need to listen to something that has any connection with with religion mm, I, th i think some people do feel that way mm. um how did it come about that collaboration with willow smith well it's uh yeah she came to an event that i was doing a private event uh, a kirtan which was very traditional actually i think she had heard my music um prior to that and she was just she was really inspired by the experience and we chatted a bit and she was sharing how her as she listens to kirtan and she experiences it she finds something that um moves her in a way that other music doesn't and she was saying i i really want to i want people to experience this when they hear my music i want to convey this and uh and so we 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 kept a connection over a while and then we were sort of saying why don't why don't we do something together and we just we just had a tiny window of time to to do it when I was uh, again visiting LA, um, actually just an evening <laughs> to put something together, and um, luckily, luckily something came out of it. 
Um, it's kind of an inspired moment. <laughs> yeah, it's very beautiful. We played it a lot in our house, particularly oh, you. You know, when it first came out. Yeah, you, yeah, I always enjoy it, what you do. Can you tell me a little bit about, didn't you grow up on like at Back to Devanta Manor or part of the Hare Krishna community, which is still like, you know, me, I'm a, a big fan of the Krishna consciousness movement and like mm. I've got a good many friends and teachers, Radhanath Swami in particular and your father, like among them. Um, but some people still regard it like a, kind of as a cult, I figure. I mean, maybe mm. not in the same um kind of incendiary way that some cults are regarded there's like you know with financial corruption or sex scandals but still sort of seen as like odd um weird. what was it yeah weird and stuff what was <laughs> it what what was it like growing up there um it was it was lovely i i i don't want to use the word idyllic because that seems like painting just a rosy picture but it was in a certain way um the Bhaktivedanta Manor, for anyone who's you know listening who hasn't heard of it, it's a it's a mansion that's set in eighty acres of of grounds, and so there's resident monks, male and female, and um, I'd say about two to three hundred people who are there every day doing different services and 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 various um, you know in various departments. So the school my, the school that I went to was on the grounds. So um, yeah, it was a very it was a very small school. We had spirituality, chanting woven into our everyday routine. And um, it was a happy, sheltered place, I would say. Um, it definitely was a, an experience of community that I think is, is quite hard to find in, in the world today. You know, I, I, I took it for granted because I thought that's just what life is, obviously, until you sort of start to interact with the wider world and see that a lot of people don't experience community quite in that way. Um, many people do, but many people don't, especially in urban kind of lifestyle um, where you grow up around, you know, having many aunties and uncles and friends who, um, who are looking out for you, who are rooting for you and who share values and and lifestyle practices so um yeah i really treasure it. i'm grateful for that upbringing when you began to experience as you called it the wider world mm. what what challenges did you face i think it was just a bit of a culture shock i wasn't um i wasn't used to necessarily that i, I could find the world a bit abrasive compared to what i was used to um, just the the media, the, the ways that people would speak. Um, you know, maybe it sounds a bit silly in, t- in today's world, but even just people swearing and stuff, I just wasn't used to that. I, I went out to regular school for secondary school and it just surprised me, you know, this sort of way that um, kids would speak to each other and interact. And I also found that it was um, some of the things that we learned and, and, and sort of... Uh, like from the age of four or five, we were l- looking at verses from the sacred text Bhagavad Gita about, you know, the eternality of the soul and and how you know we're not the, we're not just this material body and things like that. And when you go out into just a sort of regular school environment, it can feel a bit like a fish out of water to to have things like that coming out of your mouth, um, which is not so normal for for kids, I think. So it was, um, it was a bit challenging, I would say, my teens, Cheryl, for most. 
It seems, I suppose, to me at least, that it must be disruptive to encounter profanity if you've grown up around sacredness, if the foundation of community is acknowledging that community is sacred, if mm. the music is sacred, food is sacred, acknowledging that behind all apparent phenomena there are deeper vibrations and connections so to suddenly be thrust into a world where in a sense well some things are say i don't i mean i find it hard i think a lot about uh sacredness in modern society because i've increasingly come to believe that it is the lack of the sacred that causes us, for example, to be to disregard the, uh, to be ecologically ignorant, say, but also to seek out in other ways a, a kind of synthetic sacred experience, whether that's mm. through the cons- the way we consume entertainment or drugs or pornography or sport and football, that we're continually trying to create that kind of deeper connection so now that you've experienced both worlds how do you feel that you can convey the benefits of let's say let's call it a spiritual life to people that have not had any real education or experience of it mm. well I, I appreciate the opportunity to do it through music which is you know happens to be the medium that I'm that I've been active with and sort of sharing something with the world because I think I heard once someone say that art bypasses the intellect and it goes goes to the heart. And I think that um, that it's a it's a powerful way to share to invite someone into a spiritual experience um, who might otherwise feel like yeah I don't want you to tell me your philosophy or your dogma, and I would I don't want to have a reason to be you know preaching something, but I do want people to experience something that I'm finding is beautiful and valuable. And so, um, yeah, the medium of the medium of music is one that I think and art generally is 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 powerful. Um, and I think I think there are simple ways, there are simple practices for someone to engage with spirituality, as and, you know, you know, so many people do the way meditation has become more mainstream and yoga just even adding little things like this into our daily life, even if you don't have an extensive spiritual education in, in our background, it's it's um, powerful at whatever dose you start to uh, apply it. How, what's your daily routine with regard to spirituality? Well, I um, the, the most fixed thing, I think, is, is chanting in the morning. So, uh, or, or as much in the morning as I can manage. Um, so, How long? Uh, well, I do two hours a day, but I don't always do it in one, one fell swoop. Do sweep. two hours a day? Yeah. How, how long are you awake during a day? Um, well, I don't usually count that. Well, you've well, got I try... a, I, otherwise I can't <laughs> establish it as a percentage. <laughs> um, I say I try to get up at five. No. And yeah <laughs> we're up at five depending when i go to bed i'm not i'm not the most regulated of people i have to admit but um that's my yeah that's what i try to do what time are you going to go to bed if you're up at, if you're up uh, at five what time are you going to bed aim for aim for 10 will be 
realistic. Oh, that's not enough <laughs> sleep, Janavi. You're falling at the first hurdle. Where's the mandatory ten hours? <laughs> You've got to have ten. So, like, of that, um, all right, so five to ten, like, what are you up for? Sixteen hours or whatever. Like, yeah. you're chanting for two of them. So you're yeah. embedding holiness and divinity right there, right before breakfast. You're chanting what? Doing rounds of Hare Krishna. Yeah, yeah, Hare Krishna on the on the mala. Do you sing so, it? I well, sometimes I sing, speak, um, but yeah, that one I, I I'm sort of speaking under under my breath quietly. I, two hours would take a long time if I would sing it. I mean, uh, not. The amount that I do in two hours would take probably most of the day. <laughs> yeah, because of the extemporizing, being all flash, <laughs> hanging around in the vibrato. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's my main. That's my main practice, and I try to, um, yeah, as much as possible, I try to read something or listen to something which is going to give me some wi- input of wisdom. Um, and there's simple things like about a year ago. I started doing something where I, when I get out of bed in the morning, I, I bow down. I put my head to the ground, and I, I do it as a physical gesture to remind myself of to be humble, that I'm a servant in this life that I'm living. But I find that sometimes, just you know, you get out of bed, you've got dreams going, you've got so much, and just to put your body into a position that reminds you of, reminds me of who I am. Um, it's it's a powerful kind of setup for the day, so yeah. That's, I'm, I'm going to do that now. Yeah, I'm always on the it. listen out for a new <laughs> thing I can do. I've not added anything for ages, like a, like oh, you beautiful. know different prayer techniques. I'm still not ready to add to do two hours. I reckon I meditate and pray for about like half hour, forty minutes in the morning. Thank you, because approval is what I live for. And then I try and do a bit more later in the day as well. But I suppose if you're getting up and you're doing that two hours of chanting and you're bowing down and establishing your position as a servant of higher forces, is all all of this stuff for you seen still through the sort of a Vedic lens or or specifically through the Bhagavad Gita or Krishna consciousness lens? Do you like read other stuff like I don't know Christian stuff or stuff from outside of your own tradition I do yeah I do I wouldn't say I'm particularly a a scholar of anything or even in my own tradition I wouldn't say I'm I'm you know deeply deeply well read but I I do I I love to hear from um, teachers of other traditions to read things I find that you know, with the, the Krishna consciousness sort of principle is built around bhakti, which is about relationship with God, you know, that divine love between the the self and, and God. So um, I find that it's it's like a it's like a fragrance. You know, you, you can smell that fragrance in, in different places. It doesn't have to be the same flower, but it's a it's a fragrance when someone is um, trying to make an authentic connection with with God, with divine, then um, it's it's a beautiful thing to, to to recognize it and to celebrate it. So, yeah, I I do love that, and I love I love the music, particularly of different different traditions as well. That inspires me a lot. Does it come easy to you to remain in 
connected to this idea you clearly have of lived divinity and service and bhakti to use the word mm -hmm. that you just taught us you know the uh, divine love and devotion or do you sometimes really want to be t totally selfish or carnal or appetite led or does that happen to you much it absolutely happens yeah i'm i'm you know i'm a human being you know and i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to to grow and evolve and naturally there's um there's all kinds of there's all kinds of ups and downs even just in a day where my my desires my feelings my you know body will be you know pulling me in different directions but i think it's it's for me it's it's hugely supportive and helpful to have to have a practice to hold on to um because in those inevitable ups and downs and i i i know i'm not unique in this but i do think that our artistic temperament has it has its particular you know patterns of clouds coming in and um yeah for me the for me the spiritual practice is a is a hugely um supportive and helpful thing just just to have just to be able to have a moment of pause and i chant the mantra it really really is um it's uh a life a life raft i would say as they go through these these waters you don't get lured into do you have a lot of arguments i i don't no. I have I have other I have many other flaws, <laughs> but I tend to I tend to have a sort of peaceful nature. But there's a lot of other flaws I've got. <laughs> Do you have like an agenda or objectives or ambition for your music? Like, say, when you're collaborating with someone who's like high profile in a more <laughs> um, I don't know, I want to say commercial or conventional way. Yeah. I, know, I know Willow Smith is a switched on human being. Um, mm. But like, uh, like, do you care? You know, do you like? Do you, do you have ego around that kind of thing? Is it something that's appealing to you? What did? Is it hard to have personal ambition if you live a life of spiritual devotion? I mean, this is a thing that I, like, I'm finding, I'm learning about myself because I did go to like a to normal schools. I didn't have any explicit spirituality in my childhood mm. other than that my mum was very much love and kindness, love and kindness mm. in a very sort of, you know, that was who she is. Um, so like, so like for me, I, it was very like when the idea of um, fulfillment through pursuit of individual goals, when that idea was, when I sort of came across that idea, I thought, oh right, that's, yeah, I get it. I'll, I'm down mm. with that. You know, like whether it was, like being in school plays or the, in my case the pursuit of sort of fame and money and then other forms of addiction and attachment you know mm. I, I and now that I'm sort of coming down from that and sort of waking up for that which has been sort of a pretty slow process for me I still feel the echo of it and like the like a you know like when people you hear tales of people that have had a limb amputated still feeling mm. that i still feel like the limb of my own sort of ambition and desire and it requires quite a lot of me to m maintain a spiritual focus particularly around the um, intentions of my creativity and my attitudes towards success do you f find it seductive or distracting in any way i think that i mean 
for me personally, I think that it's, it's always there. Um, I can't say it's something that's co consciously and intentionally been like a driving factor, but I think, you know, the ego always wants, as you said, appreciation and validation and praise and things like that. So whenever there's opportunity for that, I mean, I do deal with that. I think every time that I take that position of leading Kirtan, because people are listening to me um, and I'm supposed to be doing it just in a mood of service, but naturally I'm hearing my own voice and there's that natural voice of, you know, self-consciousness and, oh, did I sing that right? And there's a constant negotiation between that spiritual self and the, the kind of ego that just wants to, everyone to say, oh, you're so fantastic. Um, and that's something, yeah, something very real for me. And I would say I've sort of shied away from being, in some, in some ways I've shied away from being more seen and heard and well known it's it's taken me a long time to accept that it's a it's a good thing to share something good it's it's good to go out there and and, and put it out there so i think um in you you asked about agenda i think it it's very fulfilling and satisfying for me to know that something that i create is helpful to someone and so many people um you know i remember when i was young i would i would um I remember being on the school bus in secondary school and like writing lists of things that I think I want to be when I grow up and just had like, I can remember like three columns of different things. And over the years, I'd sort of scratch one out and, you know, um, but I think the, the, the core thing that came out was I, I did want to feel a sense of purpose and meaning and that I'd done something which helped others and, and, and also use my abilities, my, my nature. So um, the agenda I'd say uh, is, you know, what, what's most fulfilling is to, is to help people and serve people. <clears throat> people tell me like, oh, you know, that the music touches their hearts or that they, they sleep better or they played it as they came in on their wedding. And that, that sort of thing is, is, is really sweet and lovely. And I do have to, I do have to also negotiate sort of with my, my ego that it's, it's about me, you know, they're, they're saying, oh, and you're this and you're that. Um, but uh, I think, I mean, I, I, I was, you know, reflecting many, many years ago when I kind of accepted to, to go down this path of just making more recorded things and just putting them out there that, um, the more that I get in the way of what I'm trying to what I'm trying to offer, the the less effective the whole thing will be because it's more you know more about me than anything in, in that sense. Yeah, it's taken me quite a lot of therapy and to get to that point of recognizing that the only power I have in my own life is the power to ruin it. You know, like, and the, like if I just stay out of my own life, <laughs> then it will be managed yeah. very well on my behalf. Will you sing in this environment? Will you sing in this podcast? Or is that not your thing at all? I once tried to get Noel Gallagher to play a guitar and he did do it. But after he done it, I thought it was the wrong thing to do because he <laughs> seemed, seemed to resent it. He sang a song once, and and that had an audience and was on stage. It wasn't just sat as you are currently between two bookshelves. I'd be happy to, whatever you like. Oh yeah, sing some stuff, will ya? Sing some things. 
Okay. All right. Um, all right, let me have some tea just to juice myself up. <laughs> Peppermint tea is what we need. Govinda Jaya Jaya Gopala Jaya Jaya Radha Ramana Hari Govinda Jaya Jaya Govinda Jaya Jaya Gopala Jaya Jaya Radha Ramana Hari Govinda Jaya Jaya you got a pretty amazing voice when you sing I don't want to stop singing oh <laughs> I remember of course um, you sang um, I hope uh, you sang at our house one time I can't remember like, if it was a wedding or a christening maybe it was a christening both you're always singing <laughs> uh, the one I remember especially is oh yeah that was at the, uh, our wedding me and Laura's wedding I remember being very, very captivated and transported. And just then when you sang, and I suppose it's quite explicit there, sort of the, some of the central symbols in, the, uh, in your tradition are about the power of music and the power of vibration and its transcendent quality. And like you said in, when we were talking before, the power of art to bypass the intellect, that tool that we have that is so efficient and great but also perhaps mm. hems us into particular perspectives i felt very very carried away by that it was very very beautiful thanks for doing that mm. although I it has that day it was lovely it was a lovely day our wedding wasn't it <laughs> it was amazing your family have become quite integral to the spiritual progress of the brand family oh. conduct <laughs> bring in music and ceremony. You're, will you tell us about a little bit about your uh, father? Because he's like, as best as I can understand, a kind of priest. Yes, he is. He's a priest and a teacher, writer, and um, yeah, he he's he's been doing that for many many years. Um, he's done I don't know how many hundreds of weddings and funerals, and there's different rites of passage within their tradition that are marked. So I, I love I love the way that he does those things because he though he chants the traditional prayers and mantras, he definitely has a way of um, translating it and making it very accessible for everyone present. And he often does <laughs> he often does um, weddings with, you know, unusual kind of combinations of people, marriage of different cultures and things. So, yeah. He yeah, because I remember Krivmoya at our um, wedding, like we we had a sort of a more I say conventional, but I'm I don't know well, what which would be more conventional. Really, it seems like an odd word to use these days. But we had like a <laughs> sort of uh, Church of England type wedding at a little church, and then like uh, your father conducted a ceremony, and it was very. Uh, conversational colloquial and a lot of people who had no experience of Harry Krishna's except for I would imagine they would see it in the cliched way of airports or up and down Oxford Street yeah. which was indeed my first encounter with uh, the Krishna consciousness movement 
like them a, a few more than one several people said like um that felt very connected to me very very real i some like mm. you know as we were discussing the sacred before if the sacred is going to be <laughs> elevated so that it is once again relevant and present in all of our lives so if it is ever to replace the systems that deny it and have um uh, overwhelmed it then we need to be able to reach people that have been educated in an entirely different tradition in an entirely different um language and like to be able to reach to convey spirituality conversationally and not make it sound either abstract or irrelevant in some other ways is mm. very very great gift i think mm. yeah absolutely i i and this is the thing about um this is the thing about experience that is so powerful. Like I love that day because I, I I also talked to a lot of guests on that day at your at your house and they were saying that they 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 never knew that they would feel like that about a, what they thought was a, a Hare Krishna ceremony and I think it's there's so much in just just experiencing something with an open mind and um, you can you can feel it if you if your heart is touched if you feel uplifted if you just like you know after after you eat you know if you feel nourished or if you feel full you'll you'll have an experience of something and you can judge for yourself whether that's something you want to add to your life or not i once spoke to radnath swami about expansionism that the krishna consciousness movement is it mm. is wants more members wants people joining it wants to convert people he said how do you feel about that and he said well if you believe something's true and if you believe something's right then you want as many people to hear the message and experience that message as possible uh, do you feel ever feel conflicted about the objectives of um a spiritual life or not and what about when you was younger because my understanding is that when you were younger you felt you did feel conflicted hmm um, do I feel conflicted? I don't feel, I don't feel conflicted in the sense of, um, wanting to share spirituality, wanting to share something sacred. I feel like I can, you know, I can fully stand behind that as something that if, if I have something that's precious, that's changing my life, then I want to share it with people in a way that they can experience or adopt into their life as much as they wish. Um, I wouldn't want to feel that I'm trying to um, convert somebody or, I, you know, that's not the objective of my spiritual practice. I do want people to um, experience a connection with a deeper self, experience a connection with the sacred. And I think, yeah, when I was younger, um, we did have some interesting experiences. Like, as you say, one of the one of the things people know of Hare Krishna is the chanting in the street. And I remember sometimes as a child, we would we would go and do that. And, you know, I was I was quite sensitive and, and shy and I'd see people's expressions or hear things. People would sometimes someone would call something out and you try to process it and understand why does this person think that we're something bad or negative. And um, as I grew up, I, I could understand it better. Um, no one wants to be. No one wants to have something shoved down their throat. I, I don't want that either. 
Um, but I think I was just reflecting on that this morning, just this this popular kind of um, vision of, you know, Hare Krishna's singing and dancing in the street and, and this idea of like, oh, get across to the other side because they want to, you know, bash me over the head <laughs> with something. Um, there, I think the, this, this, that expression of spirituality is something that is um, thousands of years old going out in the street and, you know, preaching the gospel, so to speak. And ideally, the reason that it's motivated is, is, an, is an acknowledgement of the urgency of making us a spiritual connection. And when I look at just the things that are happening at the moment in the world, um, I, I feel that urgency more than ever. Um, and it's not an urgency that compels me to tell people they have to practice one religion or another, but I do feel an urgency to be part of consciousness raising, be part of helping to make a, a connection within for within my own life and to try and share that with others. Because I do believe that it's, uh, we need it, we need it. Um, so yeah, that's my... <laughs> Yeah, we do need a, a collective and individual awakening. You used the phrase raising consciousness. And I was thinking before that this is a time in particular where there's a lot of polemicism now. And it's sort of, it seems like that in a way, coronavirus provided a kind of hiatus. And that hiatus is over. Some positive things are already happening, people's awareness of prejudice bigotry oppression um i wonder how this is gonna uh, how this is gonna resolve and i also feel that as long as at the forefront of the conversation is the organization of resources and who gets you know how the sort of uh, spoils of capitalism are apportioned then there will be that's that's a limiting way of looking at things. It's very, like you said earlier in the conversation, Janavi, it's difficult for people to, it's difficult for people to, I think, investigate, embrace spirituality because so many people have had crap experiences of it. Mm. And, and, and like when you said that you wouldn't, you know, you don't feel compelled to get all zealous about one particular religion i think now that everybody is pursuing a religion it's just in the majority of cases it's individualism materialism consumerism mm -hmm. like that these things are fulfilling a spiritual need they're making you feel connected medicated uh, anesthetized mm -hmm. or they're helping people to trans you know like I suppose the entire ethos of consumerism is that if you have certain products, you are more than yourself. You're bigger than yourself. Like you're like mm. a sort of transcendence of the self is one of the sort of more obvious goals of of spirituality. Do you feel like um like when I knew that we were going to be talking, I wondered if it was an indication that you were that you wanted to reach more people that you were willing to have that kind of conversation, that you were aware that that kind of conversation is happening now and was going to be more required. Is that why you wanted us to talk? Yeah, I, I feel like um, if I can be a part of of just helping these, these messages, these conversations to be going on more, um, more in a, in a, you know, more widely 
access platforms. I think that's uh, just a way to serve. And um, I do see that this kind of consumerism and all these things are, are seem to just be rising and rising. And, and uh, even though the pandemic, as you say, kind of put a pause on some things, generally the world feels like it's, it's heating up sort of metaphorically and I guess literally as well. So um, although I don't feel like, you know, I'm, I'm really just learning myself. I'm trying to do my spiritual practice and I'm, I don't feel like I'm completely educated on all the, all the political conversations that are going on in the world, all the um, many, many things that I could, I could know and be informed about, but I feel like uh, I could have a contribution to make in this way. So, and I do think that it, it, it will have value at least as you know things aggregate so um <laughs> as a as a shy person i actually i once i once heard you say something i don't know where you said it or when but it really left an impact on me you were talking about shyness and how, and how it's actually do would you remember saying about how it's sort of self con it's um self absorbed would you have you said, said statements about that Yep, I've made judgments and statements about the shy. <laughs> the shy are some of my favoured victims. I like what I said is something that I heard elsewhere. I can't mm. remember where, but I feel like it was something possibly, you know, Vedic or spiritual at least, as opposed to psychotherapeutic, although it sort of yeah. could have been either, and there's often a crossover, but that shyness in a sense is a kind of inverted sense of your own importance, that everything mm. is of such significance that you're being, it's still very self-centered idea, that if you yeah. are like, you know, there's, there's, egoti there's obvious exhibitionism and egotism as a result of self-centeredness, what I'm saying is important, everyone should look at me, everyone shut up and look at me, but then is that oh god i i can't say anything i mean in in dickens brilliantly exemplified by the character of uriah heap um, recently played by ben wishaw very effectively oh, i'm much too humble like oh no no oh you wouldn't be interested in me that it kind of masks something but i suppose in all things there is its shadow you know that um, yeah. really what um through what I'm trying, to, even using the word like trying, what I'm interested in spiritually is trying to, is, is being free. I want to be free to be in, to coalesce with the moment, to travel through the way, to become the way, to not mm. constantly be trapping on, holding on to every moment. Too unbearable, particularly since I've become a father only in that, so, in so much as I have daughters, I have these people that I love so much they're so sort of perfect that I almost want to freeze them in time I want to taxidermy <laughs> them in their perfection right now but they're growing and changing continually and they're going to become adults and they're going to die and I'm going to die everyone's dying <laughs> so man if I don't have some connection to God I can't I can't get out of bed <laughs> so I can't take, let alone bow as soon as I've done it right, right. Yeah, do another well, do another song, you big shy maniac. <laughs> well, I wanted to say that your your statement about shyness it really oh. like it woke me up from something because I I would say I'm a you know a, a shy person or I was for a very long time painfully shy as, as a teenager and I didn't really start singing till I was about twenty. And oh wow! I didn't, it wasn't something that I I didn't want to kind of seen be seen and heard by the world. 
Um, and I think hear, hearing that on that particular day, it did go straight to my heart. And I realized, ah, oh, yeah, I probably am quite, you know, self-absorbed. And, and actually to get out of that and just to be brave and just be seen and heard. And, you know, I might look like an idiot, but that's OK. That's that 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 set me on a path. Um, so thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, you shy narcissist. It, it, <laughs> it, it took me to, to awaken you. I, like, no, what it comes from when I think about it is when I think about things that I'm like when I, I just heard it somewhere else and simply passed it yeah. on. But when like I what the, how, why it resonated with me is because I thought about situations in which I feel shy, which is basically all situations like most of us have developed mm. a kind of persona that can cope with the kind of situations I find myself in. But things like, you know, playing football or dancing there's so many things that I've like somehow acquired the idea that I'm not meant to do and when I mm. unpack that break it down it's because I think oh well it's so important that I'm fantastic at everything and I can't be seen to be vulnerable far less to fail and it, it made sense to me it's certainly not something I've entirely overcome to be honest with you either I still experience narcissism at both extremes the obvious mm. extreme of feeling or like you know from an, an egotistical and expressive perspective but both at the uh, but at the other end also are you going to sing any other things sure do you have you have any requests yeah i'll, I'll um you could either sing something from your like uh, like a refrain of your song with willow or uh, mm -hmm. and also actually, I would like to hear. Um, I'd like some of the uh, the sort of muha mantra also. Oh, okay, great. Well, I mean, you asked for requests. Yeah. <laughs> can't ask for requests and then say, oh. <laughs> wow, can't be infuriated <laughs> by it. <laughs> happily, happily. Um, okay, let's do the the maha mantra. That is that is a favorite. And I would say about the Maha Mantra, it's, it's really lovely because because I do do the chanting with it every day. You sort of, with a mantra, you, you sort of develop a relationship and it is like a, like a friendship that the more, t it's like if you spend time with someone, you develop a connection with them. There's a, there's a, an exchange, a give and take. So um, a mantra is definitely, it, it has more power the more that you, kind of spend that time so I'll, I'll, I'll do that one do you think of it then sort of as a, a living living or somehow objective entity something that is existing always existing traveling through time and space and then you harmonize with it briefly realize it through your individual nature yes it's it's it exactly exactly um it's <sighs> it's said said to be um you know, sort of ever present, ever ready to be accessed and connected with. It's a frequency of divine love and uh, can sort of tune into it like a, like a radio. If you develop that, that adeptness. <laughs> anyway, let's sing it. I <laughs> <laughs> can analyse these things all day, you know. It's not going to transcend any of us. All right, I'm going to close my eyes because I am shy. So sure, I'm closing my eyes, my eyes also to listen. So there's no, and this right. is mostly for audio. So. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. 
हरे राम राम हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे योर वॉइस हैज द सेम इम्पैक्ट दैट talking to um you know like for example i spoke to eckart toll on the last episode of his podcast this and um when you're listening to him it's like he's the embodiment of what he's saying so it's not just the content mm. of what he's saying but you think oh this dude's coming from that place that's a very and a beautiful gift that you have there it really spaces me out particularly as a person that can't take drugs and very appreciative of any narcotic influence or <laughs> that I can get now that was very beautiful thank you for that thank would you, you be so kind as to do I whip my hair back and forth by, <laughs> <laughs> by I'll, have to, I'll have to revise the words for that one <laughs> <laughs> what is that do you, can you do some of that uh, song you've done with Willow or do you mind yes yeah, sure Krishna Keshava Krishna Keshava Krishna Keshava Pahima Rama Raghava Rama Raghava Rama Raghava Rakshama Krishna Keshava Krishna Keshava Thanks. Thanks. Where can people listen to more of your music on Spotify or where's the where grand- the grand stream in the the stream that is <laughs> filling our ears <laughs> i think yeah the, all the streaming platforms youtube and spotify and what's a good thing to start with places um well that song is a nice one to start mm, with it's amazing yeah it's a nice one to start with i've got an album um which is also there and there's different bits and pieces on youtube so as these things are you listen to one thing you get recommended another interesting time you're so talented well done <laughs> i can't take any credit for it so oh, yes <laughs> what have you got some kind of scottish accent going on is that because of your father no um my my mum is canadian and and my dad is from cornwall and somehow i ended up with the accent that i've got <laughs> 
Well, it's absolutely outlandish that you would contrive that from Canada and Cornwall. <laughs> oh, all my life I've been mystified by it, and other people have too. But yeah. uh, I'm obviously, I'm obviously not very, I'm obviously a bit stubborn to change because it's been that way for a long time. It's a good way to talk. Thank you so much, Janavi, for. Uh, speaking with me i feel like uh, elated a little high on your <laughs> voice and your company it's so lovely to speak with you is there anything else you um, want to say or talk about before I just, before we wrap up no i just want to thank you for for all that you do and i i really appreciate i, I watch your um your musings on what's going on in the world and i always am edified and educated and uplifted by them and um, particularly I've been enjoying your conversations about, you know, when, when you talk about creativity, I was, I was loving your conversation with Elizabeth Gilbert recently. Oh, that's amazing. Some really, incredible. really powerful um, things came from that. I love that point she made about, um, that you know, she was talking about the, the book that wasn't, you know, she, it, she was wondering, is it finished or not? And then there was sort of that acceptance that, this is what I've got. This is this is yeah. my offering at I the love moment. That. And With I that really character, they didn't about work. That a lot. Right. That's good. Right. Yeah, that affected me that bit. She's a good teacher, that woman, isn't she? And yeah. I'm th thank you very much for being so kind about um, my own creative output. As long as you're picking up on my main message that shy people are deeply vain <laughs> and <laughs> need to, to be corralled and prodded. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I'm battering my ego down. <laughs> yeah, bloody thing. Thank you so much, Janavi. It's really lovely. Will you, you give, will you give my love to your uh, give my love to your family. I will. I will. They're sending their love to you as well. Thank you so They're... much. I hope I get to. I hope I get to see you soon. Are you going to be? You'll be in the UK till people are allowed to move around. I suppose. Yes. Yes. I will be happily. I, I'm appreciating the the English summertime and yeah. Just, just, You're living um, with your parents. You must be mental. <laughs> we are. Uh, we, we we get along well. Are you doing stuff. Are you praying together. Are you chanting together. We do. We do in the morning. We do. That's morning. really not. It's really lovely to have a, a shared spiritual practice. Then we just, you know, we hate each other for the rest of the day. <laughs> That's right. Get back to acrimony. <laughs> I think I might force my children to start engaging in spiritual practice with me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I can do that, can't I? Your Thank children you. are so lovely. Oh my I'm God, radiant. they're radiant. Hope I get to see them soon. Have a great rest of the day, Russell. Speak soon, I hope. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Under the Skin with Janavi Harrison. Let me know what you thought of it on Instagram. Tag me at Russell Brand or tweet me at Rusty Rockets with a hashtag under the skin. You might want to join our mailing list at russellbrand.com because guess what? We've started doing things. I'm doing a Zoom call with 100 people in a minute and we're going to increase the capacity and do it with more people. We've got lots of exciting news coming up for you. Spiritual development, retreats, community, revolution, revelation, change is coming. Glory be. Glory. Why are you looking at me like that, Jim? Because it, no, my, hold on, my fingers are spread. If the fingers are spread, the elbow's slightly bent. Yes, my arm is up and elevated, but fingers are spread, elbow slightly bent. So it does look better if you close the fingers, but let's keep the elbow bent because otherwise we're straying into the wrong territory. 
Now, um, hey, listen to some old podcasts, why don't you? If you've got nothing to do with your time, you've subscribed to Luminary now, get it down your neck. Listen to Radhanath Swami, listen to Michael Beckwith, listen to Elizabeth Gilbert, you'll enjoy yourself. Keep looking at YouTube every single day of your goddamn life and the off chance that Jenny May Finn has had the wherewithal to upload some content. Don't tighten your lips and shake your head. That's what you'll look like when you're elderly. What, <laughs> having a closed mouth? Sort of all wrinkled, like pursed. You look like that, like all pursed and pinched. Oh, no, I used to work with Russell Brand. Well, when I'm that old. Well, Jen, I'll probably be. <laughs> Jen, probably because of my spiritual practices, not to mention st stem cell advances, I'll be a youthful 35. Don't shake your head, Jen. No. I'm not that much older than you. How old are you? 15 years. 42. How old are you? Sorry? I'm 30 next week. Oh dear, Jen. Thirty, <laughs> the big three O. Um, so what? No, you. Are, I'm not that much older than you. In dog and cat years, <laughs> barely anything. All right. Well, that you've been listening under the skin from Luminary with me, Russell Brown. Join us next week for well, we don't know yet, do we? But we will know, <laughs> and we'll tell you when we do. I love you, and that's all there is to it.